When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Second down 10, shotgun snap to golf from the 30 of Baltimore. Line drive pass, intercepted. Leaping pick right there by Peters at the 10. Runs across the field, got a block at the 20. Runs to the far side of the field, the 30. Gets another block, stops, cuts the other way. Goes by the 30, comes up the far side to the 35. And the former Ram has just picked off his former teammate, Goff. And he did it in high style, and almost the entire bench empties, and they will congratulate Peters, and they run on Moss to the gold painted end zone to our right to pose. It does not get any better than Kevin Harlan calling football, and he was on that game last night between the Baltimore Ravens and the Los Angeles Rams, a game that I stopped watching at halftime because Lamar Jackson was doing his MVP thing and demolishing the Los Angeles Rams. Welcome into Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And uh, Lamar Jackson, pretty good. Pretty good football. Should we turbo snark right off the start? You got any turbo snark for Lamar Jackson? I, no, I because I, ne- I never said he should be a wide receiver. I never bought into that. I did love the photo that circulated this morning. Like It was about time that somebody took a screen grab of him and his mother in the green room. Yes. Uh, where was that draft? Was that Nashville? Chicago? Um, Philly? I think that was the Chicago one. Okay. Because I, I forget. I just remember like, seeing the two of them on TV. They kept flashing back to him waiting and waiting and waiting until he finally went, what, 32nd overall? Yep. Um, and I think it was time for to just kind of silence everything, show that picture and show what he did. And just, you know, everything spoke for itself last night. Four touchdowns in the first half, finished with five against a defense that, I don't know, you bring a great cornerback to a bad team and nothing changes. Yep. And, that, and that's universal. I think that's not a Rams problem. I think that that's just a football thing. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about what happened to the Rams uh, and just kind of where they're at right now. Yeah. And last night, I think, really solidified that the honeymoon is never coming back. At least not right now with this group. Maybe not with this quarterback. I think the coach will be just fine because he is smart. But if there's any team that I don't know if deserves is the right word, but deserves to get humbled after everything from last year. And, oh, wow, genius this, genius this, that. Uh, I don't know. I, it kind of feels a little bit of a value. you want a turbo snark about the Rams? I kind of do. Okay, I feel like right. I got onto this. Jonathan, could we have some turbo snark, please? Florent. 
I expected the turbo talk about Lamar, but no, I'm good with no. this. I mean, I'm like, good but, with this. But I've never been on the Lamar should have been a wide receiver bandwagon, right? or Lamar can't throw the ball correctly, or yeah. anything else. Well, that's what the, you would snark against the people who were, which is what I've been doing for months and really since the draft. But turbo snark on the Rams. Go ahead. I'm just frustrated with the whole thing. This is a team that, yes, injuries have decimated the offensive line. Uh, Todd Gurley's degenerative knee. Like, it seems that they put too much cart before the horse this season and got a little arrogant that they got through the NFC West when it was in a far different shape than it is now. Um, and I just look at the situation of where they were last year and all of the hyperbole that was in superlatives that were tossed the way of Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, all the receivers, the defense, et cetera, et cetera. It just shows you how quickly things can change in the NFL and that you can get caught with your pants down, essentially, if you're not prepared for it. Jared Goff is a system quarterback, and that's fine. You know, They're a team that runs a ton of 11 personnel, and they can run out of it, too. Um, I think it was interesting. It took so long, this many weeks into the season. What are we, week 13? or I guess it was the end of Week 12, their game last night, for them to start incorporating screens some more, for them to start incorporating some of the things that made him so successful last year. And then on top of that, think of some of the decisions that they've made. They give Gurley that big deal. They give Jared Goff that unheard-of extension for somebody who honestly really hadn't earned it at that point. Um they're totally screwed with the with the Jalen Ramsey thing. That was dumb in hindsight when you think they don't Two have Two firsts. Fo- yeah, they don't have like a first round pick for four years. Like, your offensive line is a mess. Everything that looked good at one point with this team is now just a memory. And I don't know if this is really turbo snark, but it is kind of nice to see the team that allegedly was I'm sure people like Mike Zimmer, um, in all of the, you know, the Sean McVay is the boy wonder of the NFL. It's probably nice for some people to see them getting taken down a notch. And just mm-hmm. as somebody who covers the NFL, it felt too much too soon. Just in the way that, you know, from the rise from 2017 to where they were at in 2018. And I still go back to that Bears game and thinking how terrible the Rams looked late in the stretch last year. And they got a lot of lucky breaks. So, you know, at this they point. They should not have been in the Super Bowl no. if not for a horrendous, yes. horrendous call against the New Orleans. So Saints. it feels like a dose of humble pie. And, you know, I'm here for it this year because of how top-heavy the NFC is, that you should really only have the best teams among your six seeds. And I'm even of the belief, too, that I think I said it last week on the show, that I'm just not ready to go all in on the Vikings yet to believe, yes, this is a Super Bowl contending team. It's a playoff team for sure. I don't think that that's in in question at all. Just look at where the rest of the NFC is with uh, the Rams and the Panthers and the Eagles and just how far back they are, at least right now, in the standings. But... The Rams are kind of this example that we can't just look at a season as a microcosm for what's going to happen down the line. Like, regression happens. The Vikings could very easily be in a situation like the Rams, if they, you know, given how good they are right now, if pieces start to move next year. That's exactly what I want to talk about, because everyone knows who listens to the show knows that I looked at Lamar Jackson in the draft and said, that's a guy the Vikings should pick. Just look at him. Did anyone watch this man throw the football in college? He could throw the football. Don't worry about it. Just get him. Uh, and since that didn't happen, he goes to the Ravens. Now they're great. Now he plays like an MVP. It's a great franchise with an amazing offensive line and coaches and all those things. And I can't tell you anything new about Lamar Jackson at this point. He's awesome. He, and He uh, should run away with this award. As, as good as Russell Wilson is playing, 
Yeah, I think, I think it is. Should, I think we're I think seeing a special season. This is completely over. different. When you could be in the top 10 in rushing along with a great passer and throw five touchdowns like you did last night, yeah, he's right now he's running away with the uh, MVP. And we're going to talk with Alex Boone in, in the second half of the show about which quarterbacks you would pick, how you would rank them mm-hmm. for the next five years if Lamar Jackson would be your number one quarterback. So we'll get to that. But I was watching that thinking, am I looking into the crystal ball at the Vikings' future with the Rams if they sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension because Jared Goff had everything over the last two years and put up insane numbers. He won a ton of games uh, over the last two years, got them to the Super Bowl, and he averaged over eight yards a pass attempt, over a 100 quarterback rating, and went 24-7 and between 2017 and 18. Yet, I still feel like you could have seen it coming that Jared Goff, once the pieces around him started to slip, once Gurley wasn't as good, once the offensive line wasn't as good, and Roger Saffold left, and uh, did John Sullivan retire? Hey. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, they, they lose those pieces, and Andrew Whitworth was only going to be an elite player for so long. He wasn't going to go into his 40s as an elite tackle, or, or I don't know, what is he, 37 or something like that. Eventually, that would slip. Eventually, maybe a receiver would get hurt, or whatever else might happen and it starts to fall off your defense isn't as good anymore and then people start to figure out McVay they always start to figure out the offensive genius even if it takes two years and with the Vikings there are a lot of similarities here with the way that Kirk Cousins is playing uh, in terms of Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak have worked together brilliantly to scheme up Cousins and it's been the receivers as well the depth of weapons the offensive line has been improving over the last few weeks And your defense is still a weak point, but everything has sort of played in Kirk Cousins' favor, including the fact that Irv Smith has jumped right in and been great, and Delvin Cook has been the centerpiece of the offense. So this year, everything is lining up the same way it did for the Rams over the last two years. But then they decide to go all in on Jared Goff and say, you know what, we're going to pay this guy, he's our franchise quarterback. And now in Los Angeles, they've got to be looking around going, okay, what is our future? Because like you mentioned, they don't have draft picks. Mm -hmm. They now have a quarterback with a huge contract. They have a running back with a huge contract. And they owe Jalen Ramsey like $100 million. Have they uh, extended him a deal yet? Well, they're going. I mean, they're going to. Going to. to. Either yeah. either they franchise him or they're going to owe right, him that. Right, right. So I mean, it's going to be. There would be no purpose to trading for him if you're not going to. No, so, and, so and they're going to be locked into him. So yeah, like I mean, I just don't see how all of these decisions because you're gonna you're basically handicapping yourself for the next few years based off one season and. Realistically, couldn't you see Minnesota kind of doing the same thing? Like, let's say this becomes a year that they reach expectations of getting to the NFC Championship and maybe going beyond that. But if that happens, you're looking at a long-term extension for Kirk Cousins. You're probably looking at them extending Dalvin Cook. You're looking at trying to keep a bunch of the pieces of the puzzle together on Mm -hmm. defense. Like It gets tricky. And sometimes I wonder, do we go all in when we see success because it's a win-now league and think, okay, we can replicate this. This can be a year-to-year thing um, without looking at like the repercussions of injuries, of regression, of people moving on to different jobs. Like if you get a new coordinator, is it still the same offense? 
Like, I think it's tough. It, it is. And then you have your salary cap situation, which becomes all of a sudden very tricky. Uh, if you're Stephon, and it already is tricky right, for next year. Right. Rick Spielman told us the other day they have literally like zero money mm-hmm. right now. Right now. And it, it is not impossible. But if you're going to sign Cousins to an extension, if you're going to sign Cook to an extension, at some point, Stefan Diggs is going to look at his money and go, not enough for me, well, everybody. Daniel, right? Daniel Hunter, too. I mean, Absolutely. That, that, that deal in its own right is criminal at yep. this point for how good he's played. And you got to think, yes, he did agree to sign it, but his representation would be foolish to not try to go back to the mm-hmm. Vikings this offseason and be like, let's rework this. Yep. And you're going to have to replace your corners, clearly, because mm-hmm. that's been problematic. It's hard to say how much longer Harrison Smith will be this good. And Everson Griffin can be a free agent and is very likely to be with his contract situation after this year. So my question to you is, there there are, uh, I guess, roads that can be followed by the Vikings. And one of the paths leads to being the Rams next year or two years from now. One of the roads leads to being the Kansas City Chiefs when they decided to move on from Alex Smith after he led the NFL in quarterback rating. One of those leads to being someone like the Baltimore Ravens, where you moved on from a quarterback, you made a lot of very savvy moves, you got rid of the right players, but you brought in the right players, and you uh, built an entire system and sustained it around a quarterback, at least so far this year, with Lamar Jackson. It looks like they're going to be really good for a long time. How do the Vikings avoid the Rams' path? Because there are a lot of the same signature type of elements to it. Well, I think it's, like I said, not going all in and going crazy with the type of deals that they could possibly put out there. Mm -hmm. Assuming this season goes according to plan. I mean, everything honestly rides on this next game in Seattle, just in terms of playoff implications of you know where they could be in the division. They could be as high as the two seed if they do win this game, which is just, it's insane when you see how quickly things can flip in the playoff picture. But, you know... As much as the, I'm a huge proponent for them extending Dalvin Cook. I know that it's unorthodox in this day and age where you can get running backs. Um, pretty much people treat them like they're a dime a dozen and you can just go draft Dalvin Cook's replacement. I get that. But I also see a very special player here, like a Todd Gurley, like the situation he was in last year. Granted, Dalvin's been healthy this year. There have been, last year there were signs when Gurley's just miraculously out for no reason. Nobody knows anything. It's like, oh, his knee's a problem. Then you find out, oh, there's an arthritic condition. Oh, it's degenerative. Like, that's Sam Bradford all over again. That's the reason they didn't re sign him um, when they find out things like that happen. So I just kind of wonder, were they, did they know in Los Angeles and they were just hedging their bets that it would eventually be okay? Because theoretically, we don't know. Like, when Dalvin Cook, I mean, if he's going to be healthy, if he's going to be able to sustain this type of thing, we've seen one season of it so far. So is going all in on him and extending him right now, is that the wisest thing to do? I don't know. I, I, that's one I'm really torn on. And so I think that it's those types of decisions where you think we've got we've got a once-in-a-generation player, you're, you're gambling on that he's going to be able to stay healthy, that he's going to be able to continue to do what he did throughout the first 11 weeks of the season and beyond next year. Mm-hmm. That's where it gets messy. I'm very on the fence about it. One thing that's a bizarre plus for giving Delvin Cook money is that he missed time the first two years. I know that sounds weird, but he just doesn't have the same amount of touches as someone like Todd Gurley, who they used all the time and wore him into the ground. 
I look at Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think he's the same player that he was his first couple of seasons. That would be pretty concerning with Delvin Cook getting the number of carries that he's getting now. Even though they mix in Alexander Madison, uh, Cook could very well lead the NFL or be very, very close in touches. And when you see that number, that's a little bit of a red flag for signing a long-term contract. But when he's only had 500 touches in his career and Ezekiel Elliott by the same time has had like 1200 Mm -hmm. that's quite a bit different mileage on the body and if we know that the vikings structure these pretty well the the contracts and since it would be more my concern that he would have more injuries and that you would end up with him becoming like todd Gurley because he's used so much um but he seems to uh, have a little more, I think, uh, capability of continuing to be really good for a while. Like, there are yeah. running backs who have made good on their second contracts, and I think he could be one of them. Because I, d- of the I way do, too, and that's why I'm so on the fence about it, because if you let him go, there's going to be some other one of the 31 teams that's going to say, hey, they just let a diamond yep. escape out of their, uh, I don't know, what diamond mind. Um, sure. that work? Okay. No. Um, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, but, but think about Todd Gurley and Delvin Cook, though, as if you're sort of dropping M&Ms in each bucket toward are you being more like Kansas City? Are you being more like Los Angeles? If you sign Delvin to a long term contract that's very lucrative, that's more like the Rams. You're being more yeah. like the Rams. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is, how do you avoid that? And there's another part of it, too, of how do you avoid if and when Kevin Stefanski leaves of having your quarterback fall off? Which brings me to this question. How similar or different do you find Kirk Cousins to be from Jared Goff? Well, and we've been over this. We talked about this last week of would you extend him? Would you pay him? Then you gave me four or five other guys in that same realm, just in terms of ranking and other guys who are going to become due. And I think I remember you threw Jared Goff in there. I think he is a better quarterback. I do. Kirk, Kirk. then Goff. Kirk, then Goff. Because... It's hard to say right now because we could we you could predict the regression and say hey if Kevin Stefanski goes if the offense changes if Kirk doesn't have a ton of pieces around him that are functioning at the level that they are then you could potentially predict the the same type of drop off mm-hmm. but I think some of it with the play action with a screen game with the other ways that they've been able to bolster around Kirk we just don't know if that regression exists this year I think that they've been able to scheme around it but I just worry about next year. I worry about how 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 much do you want to go all in on this guy? Is it on a two year deal? Is it on a three year deal? Like what's what's too much? And and that's too is where I struggle because I wouldn't have given Goff the type of extension that he would have that he got. What was it? Four years? Five years? Uh, five. Yeah, it was it, at one point he was the highest here. paid. I mean they they keep resetting the market every single time. Um, he I, is under contract through twenty twenty four. So yeah, five-year deal. And I don't know. That to me is just a little tricky. I think it's how you structure the deals too that giving somebody a five-year extension, granted he's on his second contract. Kirk would be on his, I mean, how many times do you have to factor those in with the franchise tags? So there's rookie year, rookie contract, franchise tag, franchise tag. This technically is fourth, right? If you count the franchise tag as a separate contract. Yeah. I do, because they are. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't think you'd... I think there's less risk in giving Kirk a three-year extension than there would be with Jared Goff coming off one season and giving him a five-year extension. I agree with that. Uh, Next year, the cap hit for Jared Goff is, don't drink water while I'm going to say this because you'll spit it out, 
$36 million for Jared Goff, 18% of Los Angeles' cap. This year, last year of his rookie deal, is 5.6%, which is like a expensive running back. And then it, that's going to triple next year. Good luck to the Rams building the roster back up around him like they did on his rookie contract. When Especially when you don't have draft picks. Much. Right, and they have no draft picks, and they're going to have to pay Jalen Ramsey. Like They are in a very, very tough position. But here's the... So with Jared Goff, I think you're exactly right to say that Kirk is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. But we're seeing Goff in a very bad position without an offensive line, with people figuring out his coach, without a defense to ever bail him out. And his receivers have been absent or hurt. Cooks has been hurt. Woods has been away from the team at times. And so Cooper Cup is not a guy you're going to rely on as a number one receiver. And Gurley is not giving them anywhere near. I think that was the big thing. And that's what I would say about Kirk, too, is that the way Delvin Cook is playing is really helping raise the level of Kirk Cousins. And the surrounding weapons are allowed to flourish as much as they are, in part because of Delvin Cook and what he's doing. If that doesn't happen next year, like it didn't happen last year, that's where I wonder if Kirk can overcome that. And Jared Goff clearly has not been able to overcome that. And the difference between the two is probably that Kirk is a much smarter guy, I think. Like he's... He can read his own defense. He doesn't have to have daddy do it on the sideline. I'm sorry. It is embarrassing. It's embarrassing that your coach has to read the defense for you. Um, But that worked before. It doesn't really work anymore. And I wonder if teams borrowed from Mike Zimmer and messing with them after the the thing goes out and he can't hear from McVay anymore. Um, But last year, now here's a stat, though. Last year with Jared Goff, his QBR, that's your ESPN statistic, was 63.1 which is really good. I mean, that's going to put you in the top 10, but it's not going to be like number one. This year, Kirk Cousins, QBR, 63.1. It's exactly the same. They both had everything going for them. Everything was looking great. And then a big fall off for Goff. I mean, that has to be your biggest fear if you're the Vikings, is if we sign him to this massive deal after this, can it be sustained? I would also say that This would be your case if you were going to make one for why the Vikings should have traded for Marcus Peters or traded everything for Jalen Ramsey or traded for Minka Fitzpatrick or something like that is Kirk is having his best year of his career. And if you don't win when he has the best year of his career, good luck getting Mm -hmm. it back. It's going to be pretty hard to get it back. I think the regression aspect is huge. I mean, look at 2016 when he was before this year. That was his best season because of all the pieces that were around him. A really good offensive line. A sustainable run game, great weapons at wide receiver that gave you a deep threat. It gave you a guy in the slot, gave you a tight end option. He had all these pieces around him. And what are they? They're nine and seven team that year. Like, I think that that's part of it, that we know Kirk is at his best when everything else around him is at its best. And you just can't rely on him to be able to overcome that. Just given the sample size you've seen of his career beyond this season if they start losing pieces, if you, if you move on from, let's start with the offensive line. If you have to move on from Riley Reef because of cap imp- implications and you move Brian O'Neill over there, like, well, what are you doing with right tackle? Is it Rashad Hill yep. on another um, season, a restricted free agent? I mean, things get tricky. It, fast. It's hard. And I, and I think that you can't fault the Rams because this is such a win now league. And, the, and in hindsight, the moves that they were making. Unless they truly, if they, if they saw the regression on the horizon, then shame on them for doing this. But clearly, they thought, okay, this can get us back to the Super Bowl. This can get us back to the level where we can finish the job now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they the gamble has worked against them. That's as simple as what it is. I mean, the entire unless you have one of the top five quarterbacks well, that you know are going to perform week in and week out and year in and year out, everything else seems to be a gamble. And they thought they were doing the right thing back week six or seven of the season by trading for Jalen Ramsey, thinking, okay, this is a spark that our defense needs. But I think that's the move that hurt them the most because anybody knows you can't bring a great cornerback and put him on a bad defense, a defense that had a lot of holes on the back end with with guys going to IR. You trade Marcus Peters away. Aqib Tlaib has his issues. Um you couldn't expect him to fix all of the problems. Right. And just expect also Wade Phillips to continue to be a really good defensive coordinator when he's like 100. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he did a good job there, but they never had under Phillips a great, great defense. And now you're expecting him to get blood out of a stone there with one extra piece is great. But when all the other pieces aren't great, aside from Aaron Donald, yeah, there was a lot to ask. And to think that you were going to, looking at their schedule also, save the season with one corner when you had Baltimore coming there and you had division games against really good teams like San Francisco and Seattle. Like, What were you thinking? You should have looked forward and said, we're not going to make the playoffs anyway. It was a bizarre move, and they really, really harmed their future by doing it. Uh, another quick example before we take a break is Matt Ryan, 2016. Mm-hmm. I think Kirk is having his Alex Smith season, his Matt Ryan season, his Jared Goff season, where the guy gets to the peak of his game. And if you don't win at that point, then it, it, it you shouldn't think you're going to repeat it. And they thought that Goff was going to repeat it, and clearly he is not. Um, But I agree with you that I do think Kirk is a better quarterback. Let's take a break. When we come back, you wrote a great piece about Everson Griffin and how he has been able to bounce back from slipping at the end of last year and be one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. So let's go into that when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated, Standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour. The Score North Podcast Network consists of more than a dozen shows from Purple Daily and Raised by Wolves to The Scoop with Doogie and Royce Unchained. You can find a full list of these Minnesota sports podcasts over at scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app, or just search Score North, S K O R North, anywhere you find your podcast. Good morning. Football yesterday was looking through the rest of the season, talking about the storylines that they were interested most in the NFC going down the stretch here. And here's what Kyle Brandt had to say about that Week 16 game between the Vikings and the Packers. Okay, well, we saw the Packers get hammered. Let's shift to their division. I usually am very loath to rush the Christmas season. However, it was the night before the night before Christmas, December 23rd, the Packers will go to the Vikings, and it is a massive, massive game because right now, if you took inventory about it, do you like the Packers? Do you like the Vikings? I like the Vikings. The Packers have been housed in two of their last three. The Vikings are playing their best football. They are rested. There is still sort of a looming, are you really going to pick Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers factor? I'm saying that game will (laughs) dictate the entire NFC North because the Packers are saying, oh, we're going to the playoffs, we're going to do this. Don't get caught by the Vikings in your own division while you're trying to get a first-round bye because they coming, fam. December 23rd, (laughs) it's the game of the the last part of the season for me, Vikings-Pack. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Second down three. 
Fake to Lindsay. Here they come. Griffin has him. Down he goes. It was only a matter of time before these two terrific defensive ends would notch a sack. That's the first, and Everson Griffin gets him back at the 27. Kevin Harlan there on that call. We're only playing Kevin Harlan calls, basically, for the rest of the day. The best, the best ones are where something is on the field yes. and causes stoppage of play. It always seems to happen with him calling the game. Yeah. The 49ers game, I covered it a few years ago. I want to say it was a... Th- no, what are, maybe what, I thought it was a, th- a Thursday night game where there was like a... Not a streaker, but somebody ran on the field. Yeah, and he said, it's, he's drunk, he's at the 20, he's yeah. at the... T- yeah. That's, that was that amazing, and then the cat one was great, too, from a few weeks very, ago. very, very good. He's the fantastic. cat scores a touchdown, yeah, he's great. Um, so, the reason we played an Everson Griffin highlight is, A, because he is fifth in the NFL in total pressures so far this year. He's been one of the best defensive ends in the entire league. Daniil Hunter is kind of showing him up, who's number one in pressures. Uh, so, the Vikings have gotten exactly what they dream of off the edge, we talked during the offseason about the possibility of Everson falling off and playing the way he did in the second half of last season and what a problem that could be. Well, it hasn't been. And you spent some time, Courtney, writing about um, Everson Griffin and how he got himself back into shape. So tell me about that. Well, the movement training that he does, that he credits the explosiveness, being able to be violent yet graceful in his movements. I mean, it's kind of like... Same. Yeah, I mean, I knew that you kind of had That's how I do the show. Yeah, violent and graceful, (laughs) same time. Um, As he's gotten older in age, and this was kind of where my my thoughts started, it wasn't just, okay, he's coming off of a six-year low, five-and-a-half sacks last season, they restructure him, people are doubting, is he ever going to be the same player? I think that that always comes into question when guys hit the 30 threshold and continue to age. Um, And one thing I learned about this through speaking with a lot of different people, Mike Zimmer in particular, saying that they don't ever lose that violence edge of their game, especially when you're playing that position. I mean, if you look along the defensive line, Linville Joseph is probably still going to be as good as he is this year, next year, barring, you know, coming back from the knee injury because he's a big body. He's there to plug a hole. He's not there to, you know, have the same type of athleticism, the finesse, the things that defensive ends are required to Mm -hmm. do. Um, so I was really curious in figuring how can you sustain that? How is that something that even with all these things stacked up against you, you have to take a pay cut, you have to hit a certain sack number, playing time, et cetera, et cetera. Like, how do you stay so explosive? And so the biggest thing I can tell you from this story, at least what I've learned, is that he's not a guy who can just beat a guy around the edge anymore. He's not 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the same type of player he was five, six years ago, or, you know. But he is, does the reason he looks like the 2017 Pro Bowl self of him because as he's aged, he's need to learn like he's needed to learn how to through the movement training that he does control the setup based on what the matchup is, what the problem on the field because this is all from representative learning. Uh, where if you present me with a problem, I have to go into my movement toolbox and find different ways to solve it because no mm. two problems are the same. David Bakhtiari isn't going to have the same setup on Everson Griffin every single snap. Right. So it's it's a matter of, you know, kind of tapping into that bandwidth, figuring out different ways to beat that problem every single time. Um, so it's controlling time. It's controlling space. It's not just saying, hey, I'm going to run past that guy. Like, because you can't do that against David Bakhtiari at this stage of your career. But, you know, or other left tackles who are as skillful as he is. It's a matter of using the movement that has made him so explosive to where he's at multiple Pro Bowl Pro Bowl nominations under his belt um, and where he's at right now, Mike Zimmer saying this might be the best version of Everson ever. 
Um, it's honing those things. And, and the one thing I really liked from getting to kind of witness what a in-season session looks like for the movement training when he goes in there on Fridays, he's doing animal flow, which there's a video um, at the top of ESPN.com. It's watching him kind of just like, there's no real script to it. It's a lot of freedom of movement, which I think is so interesting mm. when we think about how structured everything is. And Everson has even said he feels like a robot. And so, okay, your mind goes, I feel like a robot. Well, does he mean that he's you know doing the same thing, like ABC shows up, then he has to do DEF? Like, no, I think a lot of that has to do with the creativity that he has within his movements to, you know, be, be tested, be, you know, you're not running cone drills in these sessions. You're not doing the ladders. You're not doing stuff that honestly doesn't really help you. Like these are real life scenarios that he's being put through. And I think that that's the reason that he's so successful because he's seen so many of these things play out in games where he's got such a wide array of tools that he can use at 30, almost 32 years old, like he's probably performing the best that he's had just because of the experience that he's had. This is fascinating to me from the perspective of how Everson came into the league but had to overcome stuff early on where mm-hmm. it didn't look good for him. Sure. When he first got here, he was a fourth-round pick, not because of talent. He was an unbelievable some of the talent. off-the-field stuff. Right. And then he gets things together. Mike Zimmer shows up. That's the best thing that ever could have happened to Everson Griffin. They sign him to a contract, a very big contract, when he was a situational rusher, and then make him a full-time starter. He gets 12 sacks his first year and takes off as a star at that position. But then last year, midway through the season, I guess it was early on in the season, he has his mental health issue. He goes away. He comes back. Not the same type of guy. Finishes with five and a half sacks. And if you were laying down bets, is he going to get back to double-digit sacks? You would have said probably not. I mean, the guy is 32 years old, and I think it speaks to a couple of things. He is just a different kind of dude. I mean, in These terms are of his God-given drive, right? talents. Yeah. Like that stuff is what Mike Zimmer is referring to. That part doesn't go away. The mm-hmm. athleticism might, and that's why you can't just, like you said, you can't just run past the guy anymore. Yeah. Um. But the explosiveness, the 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 way that he gets in his stance and is able to, you know, truly explode out of it, that's something that's just never going to go away. Like either you have that or you don't. Mm-hmm. Brian Robeson, like when he was retired, when he was like kind of forced to, he didn't retire. He, he was pushed out essentially. Right. Um. When he was getting up there in age, I think people were looking at it saying, hey, he's losing some of the things that made him such yeah. a great pass rusher in the different year, like earlier years of his prime. Like, I remember we sat here talking about, is Everson going to have to become a situational pass rusher sure, again? Yeah. And that just seemed like the logical answer because so often you don't see things like this. Yes, it these guys have longer primes, I think. That's why you can see guys who are 33, yeah. 34, 35. Justin Houston is a great exactly. example of that. Um but other than that, I mean, I look at this as like he's a, he's the anomaly here. Like, yes, those things like other players have those same type of traits and will probably have as long careers. I mean, he's been with the Vikings his, the entirety of his ten year NFL career, and the fact that you have people saying this is the best version we've seen of him. Like, what's next? Can this be sustained? Is he going to be somebody who's thirty five years old? Um, and that's when he's looking at the end of his career, not at thirty two next year. Right, because we're going to be saying after this year when he becomes a free agent because of the way his contract yeah. voids. He, he can should they cho- bring him back? He can choose to be a free agent. He can still Which play you out. Always do. And, right? Yeah, you. I don't. No agent would say no, no, no. Just stick with that contract after you've gotten twelve or fourteen sacks yeah. or something. Uh, I was just looking through the all-time sack list for the Vikings, and the only people that are ahead of Everson Griffin 
are John Randall, Chris Dolman, and Jared Allen, end list. And he is within striking distance of Jared Allen if it was next year. He's Mm -hmm. 12 sacks behind Jared Allen. Is Everson Griffin, is he ring of honor level, do you think? Wow. Um, A guy who has been here through a lot of success. Why not? I mean, he's been here for 10 years and has been just like a... I don't know, stationary is not the right word. Centerpiece of centerpiece. the defense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. A staple, staple. you could That's also say. I was, looking yeah. at, I was looking for that one. Um, no, I mean, to me, he's absolutely part of that because of the sustainability aspect, the fact that this has been going on. I mean, five and a half sacks is not a bad season for somebody. Last year, that was a six-year low for him. Mm-hmm. So look at what he did when he was hitting those double-digit sack numbers from – what 2013 all the way on to 2017 is you know the, the big Pro Bowl year we were that's when he had a career high like that's impressive and I think that that's something that probably will be go- when you look at all the pieces at the end of the day and determine is this a guy that was a franchise staple I think the answer is a clear yes off of this team alone there are going to be a lot of players where that conversation is had I'm sure I'm not sure if Everson would get it based on what he's done right now, if they re-sign him and he's got a couple more years of this mm-hmm. and they're successful, then there's a really great possibility for him. But Harrison Smith, there's a good sure. possibility. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Delvin Cook is very early in that process, but even he has a chance. Kirk Cousins has a chance yeah. at that if he takes them anywhere. If he gets um, them to the Super Bowl, ring of honor without question. Yeah. Even if he left after the next yes. contract and decided he didn't want to stay here. If you get your team to the Super Bowl, then you're probably in that because... Look at Fran, Fran Tarkington never won a Super Bowl, and he's in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, uh, like, and and of course it's going to take great play from sure. Cousins to get them there too. But I, I think that that is interesting with Everson Griffin of just his career path and how it took a pretty huge dip. And there was very good reason to think, probably not going to bounce back here. And then... Um, he ultimately has, and it's been a huge part of why this defense is even decent. Without him, I think this is a bad defense, honestly, because they can't cover anybody, and they don't get any interior rush. Uh, we were just talking in the break how Anthony Barr has uh, been targeted a lot in the passing game underneath uh, to some success by opposing teams. What's really held them down is the fact that Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin get after the quarterback on nearly every other play, and then uh, you know that's had a huge impact in the red zone. Yeah, too. and if if you just had Daniil Hunter on on his side of the defensive line, and you had Stephen Weatherly, and you use that as a rotation, that was one of the solutions that we thought of before free agency last year. Okay, if you let Everson Griffin go, this happens that you'd have Anthony Barr. This is before he resigned and. and all of that. Mm-hmm. I remember we talked about this. It's like, okay, is it Stephen Weatherly? Is it a rotation of him and Anthony Barr, maybe a Fadio Denebo? Like, thinking about just how you would hold down that position um, at, at left defensive end. And I think that there's reason to believe now um, that they, that the signs were there that Everson was never going to have a, a drop off. Maybe we didn't see it from like a logical perspective, just thinking sure. about Father Time and the things age like that. Is and a age, huge factor. but yep. it's it, it really did. Um, you know, it it had a good 
chance of happening regardless. And, you know, even if he was going to be a situational pass rusher, I think he would probably still be having the same type of success that he does now, even if he was just coming in on third down and things like that. Um, if you want to give Courtney's very well-done piece a read, you can go to your Twitter, where you tweeted it out. Also at ESPN.com yep. on the Vikings page, it is called uh, Vikings Everson Griffin Finds Balance by Learning When to Turn Off. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, I wanted to ask your opinion on the final stage of the Vikings schedule. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I asked Arif Hassan of The Athletic, like, is this a hard schedule now or not? I mean, after Green Bay lost the way that they did, and they just don't look like a serious contender. At Seattle, Detroit might not play Matt Stafford. Jeff Driscoll may be the quarterback who shows up here at U.S. Bank Stadium on December 8th. At Los Angeles, they lose every game by seven points. And Chicago, not a good team at all. But if you tried to spin that the other way, you could say, well, if Stafford comes back, he's been good at U.S. Bank Stadium sometimes. Russell Wilson's going to be hard. Phillip Rivers is not a joke. They lose every close game. That doesn't mean you're going to beat them. They beat the Packers. The Packers are still hard. Chicago, for some reason, has your number. Do you see this as a difficult final stretch of the schedule? I really do. And it's not just a matter of whether it swings one way or the other. I think it's for them to not lose... To go four and one in this stretch, because right now I don't know if I'm picking them to beat Seattle. I don't. I, I just there's something in me right now that I need to know if Adam Thielen is healthy. I need to know a little bit more about this pass defense and figuring out can they stop him because he is so good at throwing the ball deep downfield. So I struggle with that. But if you can go four and one in this stretch, that sets you up to be able to have a nice time in the first round of the playoffs to be able to get there and not have to back your way in. Right. But if you lose this game, if you play Detroit close, if you lose to Green Bay, you're backing your way in. Week 17 actually means something now. And to me, that's tough to say this is easy. I don't think anything can come easy by this team. Last year, they had a lot of things set up for them those final three Mm -hmm. weeks of the season with Miami, Detroit, and Chicago. And they still managed to go eight, seven, and one. So I'm not ready to say, yeah, it's an easy stretch. Like I, mean, I was looking, I was looking at the Texans stretch, um, coming out of the Thursday night game, and I think they've got the Ravens in there one point. Uh, they've got it, is it me, Indy twice. They've got no or no Tennessee, Tennessee twice. twice. And Tennessee's kind of tough. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm like on paper, it looks easy. They've got the Broncos in there, I believe. Like there's just. But I can't look at that and say you can't find trap games in there. You can't find games where they could fall off the wagon. Um, and to me, with this Minnesota team, like you could prove a lot about just how far you can go in the playoffs by how this five-game stretch ends. Kirk Cousins could solidify himself for a new contract based off how these next five games go. I think it's an incredibly difficult stretch because of you know just the body of work of what you're going to be dealing with against these teams. And these are teams that you have three division opponents back-to-back-to-back to, back to, back to end the season. Um, or no, uh, Rams, excuse me, uh, Chargers, or it's Detroit, then Yeah, Chargers. they're mixed in there, but, like, but the, at least back-to-back. The Chargers are no joke. That's a Sunday night football game. That's a primetime Possibly. game. Well, you and I really need it to not be. Yeah, it would be nice not to take a 6 a.m. flight the next we day. We really need it to not be. I just think that I'm not ready to say it's an easy stretch at all, because this team has been given easier stretches before, and they've managed to not come out the way that most would expect against that those caliber of opponents. So Denver game would be the one where I would look at it. And the first half of Washington a little bit. Yeah. Not so much KC because Andy Reid's their coach and they have a lot of great players and they're still a Super Bowl contender. But the Washington first half before Keenum got hurt, 
And the game at Denver, where they played down to their opponents a lot at home. The, that's why I Can't would you say see that happening against a, even against the Stafford list Detroit team, but especially Week 17. Sure, that's the one where you go for some reason. Chicago has their number even at home last year. Mitch Trubisky is bad at football, but he also converted a couple of third downs last year and made big plays in that game to beat the Vikings. I would not just say, "Oh, Chicago, you just steamroll them." Not when you already lost sixteen to six, and Kirk Cousins is zero three against Chicago since becoming the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, the, the other way you could look at it is that it almost doesn't matter that much after what Los Angeles did and then their remaining schedule. I mean, they might go 7-9 or 8-8. Eight and eight. The Vikings would have to completely fall off the face of the earth in these games. These games remaining are not even, can you win them? Can you lose them? How tough is the schedule? As much as they are, prove to us you belong in the conversation with San Francisco. Prove to us you belong in the conversation with New Orleans, who maybe isn't quite as strong as San Francisco, but they still have Drew Brees, and they still have Michael Thomas and a lot of talent there. That's more of what I'm looking for. And also, can you win an NFC North title? Yeah. The, the Green Bay Packers opened the door wide open to potentially win an NFC North Twice, title. with That's, the loss to the Chargers yep. and the loss to San Francisco. And their schedule, Green Bay's, is so easy that they're going to, probably not lose any other games than maybe the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have that opportunity there. If you keep winning and you beat Green Bay, you've got your chance. Uh, if they have one upset, Green Bay does, which they're capable of, of winning the NFC North. So that's kind of what it's all about, this final schedule. In a lot of ways, Los Angeles's loss last night took the, um, uh, to paraphrase a former Bills quote, uh, coach, the sales out of my wind. I think that was Greg Williams who said it took the sales out of my win. Like, are you sure you got that right? Uh, but because there's no race now for the Vikings, it's all about NFC North and it's about prove to us that you actually belong in this conversation. Yeah, because if they win in Seattle, they're the two seed more than likely. And if you lose, you're still the six seed. Like the way that the rest of the NFC has shaken out yeah, so far, they can where get you have to that two seed. five win teams like the Panthers and. Uh, the Eagles and who else is in there? I'm forgetting. I mean, where do you the, think they finish? The Vikings. The Vikings. Yeah, I still think ten and six. And if they go eleven and five, then you will be obnoxiously right. <laughs> because of the one time you had me repick the schedule, no, and I picked eleven and five. That was your original. No, my original pick has always been ten and six. Oh, I thought your original pick was nope. ten and five. Oh, nope. okay, eleven and five. That was when you got real hot takey at the fair. You had like too many cookies and went eleven and five, but that's that's really on the table. You had right now. me repick the schedule after training camp, yes. thinking that okay, that's this right. is what training camp showed us. I think that should be your final pick. I think eleven and five should be your final pick well, after after seeing training camp, like before training camp. How are you supposed to know? That's not fair. That's fair. Um, New Orleans. I'm trying to make you right for some reason. New Orleans has to face Atlanta, San Francisco, Indy, Tennessee, Carolina. Not an easy schedule. For the rest of the way, because I I vary wildly with what could happen here in terms of their seeding between. Yeah, I guess they could get up to that two seed. It's possible. They're eight then we're, we're looking at a first round bye. Right. How crazy would that crazy be? Crazy when you think about it. But possible. I mean, Dallas is Dallas has shown that they're not much to call home about and that their only way to the playoffs is through winning the division. And that should be a beatable opponent in the postseason. But can you do it? Like, I don't know. I mean, that's where I struggle when I look at these teams in the top four seeds and what could potentially be their wild card weekend matchup against the Saints or the Cowboys right now. I think, no-brainer, you'd want to take the Cowboys in the playoffs. But 
the Saints have they have some vulnerability too that's been exposed the last mm-hmm. few like the last few weeks. I mean the, the boneheaded loss to the to the Falcons, right? Which they get a chance to avenge on Thanksgiving. So I guess we'll truly see what the strength of that team is. But um, you know, you think about their pass defense, the Vikings' pass defense. You think about going against Drew Brees in the first round. I mean, there's a lot of different factors here. At New here. Orleans, would be really at New tough. Orleans, like that's. I have a hard time going all pushing all of the chips to the table on the Vikings on that right now. I mean, yeah. that's that doesn't seem logical. There's no playoff race, but there's a lot that yeah. is at stake as they go into play Seattle and the rest of the way. Real quick, um, a great question from Chase after Josh Doxson was let go today by the Vikings. Uh, he suggests that we build an all-time thought they were going to have a big impact team. And already my nominees are, of course, Michael Floyd, George Iloka, Doxson is on the list. I've also got Jake Long, who showed up here and became briefly the starting left tackle. Uh, he brings up your favorite player, but Chase spelled it wrong, Stephen Ridley. Did we actually, AM. did we really think Stephen Ridley was going to have an impact? Definitely, definitely. I, I thought that Stephen Ridley was going to be like the replacement for Adrian Peterson, right? No, <laughs> I didn't think not that. Adrian Peterson, for Delvin for Cook. Delvin, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Hillman briefly showed up here. Ontario Smith. And uh, was Ontario Smith, Was he? did he play here longer? Um, but if we're thinking about the players who showed up and we went like, oh, big move here, Josh Doxson, wide receiver three. I mean, and the, the, just, no. the George Iloka one will always be burned into the back of my cranium because the guy was so good for so long. I know, yeah. And it was a cap casualty and then literally did not play. Ontario Smith is an interesting one because he played two years for the Vikings. It was good. And then he had the, you know, the whole thing. The airport Uh, thing. Yep. And never played again. I didn't know that he never played in the NFL again, but that's hilarious. Uh, But there's a longer list there for sure of guys who were signed and you thought they were going to do something and then it just didn't matter at all. Dayton Jones. You remember Dayton Jones? Dayton Jones. Great guy. I think he went to the 49ers after that. He's been with. Many, many people. Mike Wallace is a nomination. I like that one for 2015. Oh, you got your pure deep threat. No, no, sorry, wasn't. Not really. Did you put um, Aldrick Robinson on that list too? Then in that same vein, he, uh, he showed up and he was. He actually did some decent. stuff. Yeah, and he was more of like a rando as opposed to someone who had been. A, a, sorry, Aldrick. He's a great guy, but he's a rando. <laughs> and, uh, but but as opposed to somebody who had a history, and you're like, ooh, this guy could be pretty good. Donovan McNabb might fall in this category. Hey, McNabb is the quarterback now. Here we go. Uh, I'm sure Sage Rosenfels would have a bunch more of these, uh, but I've put it out there for players that when the Vikings got them, you thought, here we go. And <laughs> it just did not play out very well at all. No wide receiver three for Josh Doxson. All right, coming up next is Alex Boone joins us, and I have asked Alex to rank five quarterbacks that he would pick for the next five years, his top five. Of course, he made his list much longer, so we will dive it into that uh, when we come back next here. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. By himself in the shotgun formation is Jackson. Looks over that defense first and goal. Shotgun snap to the Raven quarterback. They bring everybody. Line drive pass. Thrown down the middle. Caught touchdown over the shoulder. Back of the end zone. Sneed. 
Wow! Third touchdown pass tonight for Lamar Jackson. Four possessions for the Ravens. Four consecutive scores. They are a machine. You ever think the word Sneed has ever been said with that much enthusiasm? Sneed! Like Kevin Harlan. Just the best. Uh, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin of ESPN, and joining us, Alex Boone, former Minnesota Viking. What is up, Alex? What is going on? What a great Monday night game, huh? Uh, was yeah, it great? The first half was of it? Half, yes, um, it was. I mean, it was so the, one-sided that the, Matthew's right. You could have turned it off at the, the at halftime. quarters that fine. I watched were good. I'm not sure about the third quarter. I didn't Whoa. bother with that. Whoa. Dude, that's yeah. great football to watch. Well, I'm not passing that up. Yeah, all right. Uh... I said that they should just bench Lamar Jackson at that point because the way Jared Goff looked, there was no reason to keep playing with him. But those extra touchdowns were pretty nice. Uh, So we wanted a different angle on Lamar Jackson than what I've seen on um, national media, which is, can Lamar Jackson not get hurt at football? Like That is the most laziest thing. Because people are trying to compare it to the Cam situation, which go back to where Cam was at how old is Lamar? 23? Uh, yeah, but also running quarterbacks don't get hurt at any different rate than statue quarterbacks. Sure. Statue quarterbacks, they stand there and don't move very well, and they get hurt too. Like Joe Flacco had to get hurt in order for Lamar to get his job. How about Russell Wilson, who I don't believe has ever missed an NFL game? Seems to run around a lot. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson had a random ACL, but other than that, the guys had no problem staying healthy. Like it's just a, it's a very bizarre narrative. And can he really throw the ball now? Guess what? Yes, uh, I believe he can. (laughs) Pretty sure he can. Can throw the ball. (laughs) I think I just saw that. Uh, so I gave everybody a homework assignment and forgot to include Jonathan. So he's still working on his. Uh, I'm sorry, Jonathan. Way to uh, drop the ball, dude. But uh, I know, I know. It's it's my fault. I asked both of you, though, Courtney and Alex, to make your list of quarterbacks that you would want if I said, okay, you get this guy over the next five years, he can be your guy. Because I'm curious about where both of you put Lamar Jackson in this list since he is such a unique quarterback, and even including Michael Vick, who, by the way, can we stop with that every broadcast? We have to bring yeah. up Michael Vick 69 yeah. times. Like, Can we can stop? We? Yeah. I mean, he throws the ball way better than Michael Vick, and yeah. as a dude, just slightly like a million times better. Okay, way smarter, doesn't kill dogs. Okay, stop comparing him to Mike <laughs> Vick. Um, anyhow, so I, I'm curious about what you guys think, and I feel like we need NFL music for this. I know you're making your list, Jonathan, but you can do two things at once. Okay. Uh, so who wants to start? Courtney, you go first. All right. So in true fashion associated with me i have an asterisk next to one player on here because Jeez. i told matthew that i wanted I to dip into i wanted to dip into draft eligible quarterbacks here we go. basically here we go. the theme is i want the next lamar jackson wherever i can get it i want to be able to have i'm not going to use dual threat because it's such an outdated term i want the athlete i want the true athlete so the guys that i've picked on this list Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. This is not, not in any particular order. Um, I have Russell Wilson in there. Granted, I think he's in a little different category, but still, dynamic playmaker. I have Tua on this list, but I don't wow. know. I don't wow. know. I'm worried wow, about wow, the hip. Wow. I'm very wow. worried about the hip. Like, wow. how are we going to know if he's going to be able to react or to recover from that fully to be the player he was his first few years at Alabama? Let's, let's assume he is, though. It's a bold pick, if so he, you're going to so take that's him. that's four. All right. That's four. And then my so next. So you're that sure about Tua? Well, see, I'm not. Because I'm worried about the injury. Is that the asterisk? Put That's the yours. asterisk. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. But okay. Um, my fifth would be Kyler Murray, actually. Okay. Ooh. That is so interesting. I tried to go so a little give... outside the box. I would have picked a Sean Watson, but I figure 
I see red flags there. Wow. So With Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. really? Which would be what? I mean, I just don't know. Sometimes I wonder when you're watching him, going back to that Thursday night game, some of the decision-making three years in, yes, he you know, is still young, relatively young, in his third year uh, as a pro, that you wonder, okay, can, can he overcome this? When he's running on, the way he ran on like, second and 12, and he got... Ta- he got. Uh, I think he, he gets was, sacked a lot. Yeah, he gets sacked a lot. That's not all his fault. They've pa- patchwork offensive line yep. at points this season. Very um, patchwork. But you know, I, I debated between him. I debated between Dak. But I. That's like, why I like the list because it's I like my really list. hard. It's a, little, it's a little. There are a lot of quarterbacks you could select from. Unconventional, but I do want to continue on with that trend of the athlete quarterback. I'm not looking for your prototypical pocket passer because I think of the way that the NFL is trending here. This seems like this is probably more of a sure bet. Because, um, you know, if I was looking at other draft-eligible quarterbacks, would I have gone with Joe Burrow? Probably not. So give your list again. My this list is... is not in any order, but I just the way I wrote it down. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tua, and Kyler Murray. Wow. I want to see Kyler Murray on a good team. Which I think we will next year. I think they're going to spend a bunch of money and is try Steve to... still the GM there? He is. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be good anytime soon. Let's, let's, wow. let's talk about that They first. paid you. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Great point. Very fair. All right, your list of five quarterbacks who you get for the next five years. Did you do this list too? I did. Okay. All right. I'm going last. Where, was, My was mine close to yours though? I don't know. We'll find All out. Right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So I did mine in terms of like if I were starting a franchise tomorrow, like say I was starting like the Houston Texans did, and I was like, listen, you can have any quarterback in this in this league. If I were to start in any order, I'd go number one, Russell Wilson. I'm obviously going to call Seattle because what he can do with an offensive line in front of him or not, with a run game or not, with a defense or not, with receivers or not, yep. he can still win every single game. This guy is incredible. He's fun to watch. I feel bad for him at times because you see him shoulder the load a lot, and Mm -hmm. he's like, dude, somebody please just come help me. And every now and then you get somebody that shows up. But for the most part, this guy's done it by himself. And it's like, wow, you are – and he's always so positive. And you see people constantly gravitate towards him. It's just fun to watch. Number two, Lamar Jackson. And I say that to say this because Courtney was talking about how – I want an athletic quarterback. I want a quarterback in this. What are you going to do with him? Can you think like Greg Roman? Because if you can't, that's a waste of talent. You have wasted that entire skill set. Well, I think a lot of just interrupt. I mean, how many people can be knocked off the pedestal of this is what the NFL is and still run the triple option to still choose to play to his strengths that way? But it's easy to say that. Are you going to build plays off of the triple option? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's the best part of the Ravens' offense. But I feel like everyone says they're going to, and then you're like, okay, well, let's see you do it, and they don't. Like, Greg Roman is really the only OC to be like, listen, this offense is gravitated around our quarterback. Yes, I can make plays for the quarterback. I can put three quarterbacks out there on the field, and people are going to be like, what are you doing? It's a normal (laughs) Greg Roman play. Like, his creativity is a step above everybody else's. So when people are like, oh, I want to get this athletic quarterback, why? What are you going to do with him? Are you going to just boot him out? Because that's just a waste of everybody's time. Kirk Cousins can do that. He's not athletic at all. Like, I don't know. Like, that's why I'm wondering. Like, everyone keeps that, saying, I want this, but you don't really do anything with them. So part, why do you want it? But part of the assumption would be if you're selecting this guy, then that I would have a play caller right. who plays to his you're strengths. You're building everything around him. Just like with Kirk Cousins, you sign Kirk Cousins and then you bring in John Filippo to run a completely different offense from what Kirk Cousins did. Like, what, what are you saying? doing? That's, right. what the, so that's what the whole league the, is. The based assumption on. is that you're going to put 
Lamar Jackson if he's your guy with somebody who knows how to use him. Okay. Okay. Well, so that's that's and I say so he's that number be- two on your list. That he's number two, and I say that because I know how Greg thinks, and I love his creativity, and I've kind of always tried to pick his brain. So I think I'd be able to do that with Lamar. But my number three is Patrick Mahomes, and I say that because here's another guy that can do a lot of things really, really, really well. Now I think that at times he's going to have to be called on to win the big game, and I'm still waiting for him to do that. But I still like everything he does. He can move every which way. He can put the ball exactly where it needs to be. He doesn't even have to watch the receiver at times. He just throws it. I mean, the guy knows where he has to put it, and it's fun to watch at the same time. And when you're talking about a guy like that, he'll gravitate around the team, and the team will bring him up, and they'll you know they'll take care of him, and they'll make sure that he's the guy. And that's what you love about these quarterbacks that I've put up here. Is they rally the team up, and when your team talks about him, they're constantly like, that's our guy. He's our leader, mm-hmm. a proven leader. You know, that's, that's why these guys are always one, two, three, four, and 5. Uh, number 4 is hey, Can Jimmy. I ask you something about that real quick, yeah. Alex? I saw something last night that just caught my attention, and I saw it when Lamar Jackson was a college quarterback, too, and it made me think that, that he could succeed in the NFL. Aside from his skill set, which I always believed he could throw the ball, um, he got knocked out of bounds. And I saw an offensive lineman running toward him to pick him up after he got knocked out of bounds faster than I think I've ever seen an offensive lineman move. Yeah. Like the the offensive lineman, I, I'm not sure which one it was from the Ravens, saw him get knocked down and he could have made his way over there, but instead he kicked it into like high gear yeah. and picked up Lamar Jackson and was right there for him. And I thought, like, that's what you kind of want to see is players reacting that way to your quarterback. Absolutely. I think it was Dozeman that did it, 77, that big dude. And, and, when you see stuff like that, guys will tell you right away how much they feel about a guy. If a guy's running over as fast as he can when he knows he has no business running and he's trying to pick you up, like he's trying to show you in so many ways, like, dude, I care about you so much. Like you, you could see that all the time on the field. Like guys will constantly run over, dude, are you okay, help him up. And that used to bother me too, is when like when you give up a sack and you don't help up the quarterback, God, that used to piss me mm, off. I remember one particular left tackle who I think our buddy Jeremiah Searles sort of whacked for not doing this. Like, T.J. Clemmings gave up a sack oh, against Green dude. Bay, and I was looking back at it on tape, and I was like, did Jeremiah Searles punch him for not doing it? <laughs> Probably. He, he actually smacked him on the chest, like, what are you doing not picking up your quarterback after you just allowed the 70th sack this year? Dude, but, yeah, exactly. it's like, oh, no one saw me give it up, dude. We all saw it, now help him up. Let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah, we saw big, TV. Big fines in the, in the old line room for mm. that. Number four, Jimmy G. Everyone says he can't do it. I'm still waiting bold. for someone to stop. Why is that bold? I think this is bold because Why Jimmy G bold? hasn't done anything yet. His defense is uh, helping him. His offensive coordinator is helping him a lot. Or, I mean, his head coach being a, an offensive genius. I think it's a little bold for somebody who hasn't like accomplished it. I like anything it. yet. I think Thank I'd you. Be... Well, then that, that falls into number five then with Kirk Cousins. I mean, at the same time, I had what is Even he more bold. It's not, though. Because it is. when you're looking at this, you're like, hey, listen, these guys are taking steps. Like, you put Kirk Cousins on a real team, which you have, yeah. in a system that he's been integrated in, that he has now a voice in. Like, hey, listen, I really like this play, guys. We should do some more of this. Or I really enjoy some of this. Instead of, oh, here comes the revolving door of a new face and all new terminology, yeah. and now I'm an idiot again. Like, when you took these two guys, to me, they're the same. Jimmy G and Kirk are both the rising stars right now in the league. And, yes, their coaches are helping them, and they're doing a phenomenal job with the run game. But if you look at this, they're, both the O-lines at time have been getting these guys crushed, and they're still producing extremely efficient numbers, and they're playing really, really well. What do you think, uh, Courtney, of him picking Kirk Cousins? You fell into the trap of why I wanted to do the experiment, which was I knew everyone would pick Russell Wilson. I wanted to see if either one of you thought 
that Kirk Cousins would make this list, and I think you make a good case for it. I now. thought about it, but it wouldn't have gone with my theme, so I had to obviously kick that out the door. Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo, but the way Kirk's playing right now, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. If you can project that this will sustain itself next year, the year beyond, as you have other pieces of your offense go, as you have parts of the defense go, and expect him to still play at this level, it's a no-brainer. I mean, he's playing the best he ever has in his career. He's playing probably the best that any Vikings quarterback of the last decade, you know, beyond Brett Favre, beyond, um, who am I forgetting? Bradford? No. Dante Culpepper, maybe? Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, if you're talking if you're about talking putting about, like, up these types of these numbers. These types of numbers, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, Culpepper so, had the, so, the year where he was on Madden. Yeah. So, I mean, that's fair. I, I, I absolutely understand it. And I think that, if you're, unless you're going with a theme, because everybody likes a theme, um, I think it's a great pick. Yeah. I, if you were arguing against it, there would be two ways to do it. One, you would say... The regression element. Well, the regression element, right. I mean, is he going to lead the NFL in quarterback rating every year for the next five years? I mean, if he is, then well, great. But, but could he sure also be he top ten? I think that you have to look at not just like, is he going to be the upper echelon? Because there's always going to be guys... No, I know that we have only a few more years left of Tom Brady, of uh, Philip Rivers, of Drew Brees. But beyond that, like, can he irk his way into... The upper echelon, maybe not be at the top, but I think it's still a very safe pick uh, and a good pick if he's a top ten quarterback in a lot of those areas because you signed him thinking he was a top ten quarterback. If Kirk Cousins goes into the first round of the playoffs and throws two interceptions and 184 yards and loses, I don't think anyone is putting that pick there. Um, that would be another part of it is when the guy has had opportunities to win big games in his career. He just hasn't done it. And that would be hard for me to say, I'm going to sign up for the next five years for a quarterback that hasn't shown me yet that he can win big games or that he can go toe-to-toe with some of the great defenses in the league. I mean, Patrick Mahomes last year did lose the AFC Championship, but my God, he didn't lose it. He didn't. Right. I mean, he's right. played unbelievable. His defense lost right. it. Right. He showed Ford lost and it. And the referees, referees which we'll yeah. talk about it. a little bit no, later. Let's not get started. Uh, well, we, we will soon. I've got that Ooh. on the agenda, That the but we won't go there because i got to give you... Uh, actually, i got to let Jonathan do his list first, and then I'll give you my Let's go, Jay. I think Russell Wilson obviously is the number one there. The only thing that concerns me with with him is his age because he's 30 now. You're telling me I have him for the next five years. I have him until he's 35. Now, we've seen quarterbacks play later into their 30s, but you saw what age did to Aaron Rodgers' athleticism. He just doesn't have it anymore. And the way you saying he's washed? No, no God, I'm not saying sounds, he's washed. I would never say that about a guy who has 27. That's weird, touchdowns. I didn't get any texts from Alex the other night after that game about <laughs> Rodgers and not being washed. But oh, dude, I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to ride this out. Yeah. I have to. I'm, <laughs> I'm too if, deep into this uh, to give up now. Let's Come on, Aaron. <laughs> I think the way Russell Wilson moves around in the pocket is very much different to the way you know Tom Brady does it. So I want to see what age does to him and how he moves around when he loses a little bit of that bit of that athleticism sure number two for me is Patrick Mahomes 50 touchdowns last year the only concern I have is Andy Reid still his coach for all five of those years and if he's not who is that coach for him and how does that change the way he plays but Mahomes is easily number two for me behind him is Lamar Jackson I want to see more before I bump him up to number two or even number one I think because of that age factor with Lamar Jackson right can someone shut him down also is there a defense you know, can the Patriots get another second shot at him and yeah. slow him down? Let me see what teams do during the offseason to figure out what they're how they're going to stop him next year before I give him or before I move him up the list. Number four, Deshaun Watson. He gets sacked too much. That's a concern for me. But he still has winning seasons. He still 
he doesn't throw a whole lot of interceptions. Eight, nine, and seven so far through his three seasons. He almost in the threw NFL. two the other night. <laughs> Got wow. lucky on that second one. Almost. Wow. First one. Coming with the sass because you didn't include Deshaun Watson. <laughs> yep. And then number five for me right now, Dak Prescott. I want to oh. see him outside of a Jason Garrett offense oh. before I... I do too. Yeah. That's, yeah. He's been great. Wait no longer, guys. Well, what is it? Like <laughs> three, do you four think, days? Do you think no. it happens this week? Black Friday. If cooking. they lose to Buffalo, I think he's fired. Dude, they're done. For it's sure. Amazing. We called this one like, like four weeks ago. Yep. Yep. This they go dude, up, they he, go down, they go up, you they forget, go down. Jerry wants to win right now. They I lost to the Jets. Jerry World. Yeah, dude, he's pissed. Yeah. And you lose to the Bills? Oh, my God. He'll and, lose and it. And both games against the Vikings and the Patriots, you were right there, and yeah. coaching got in the way. Um, okay, so I have the same first four as Jonathan um, and and everyone else in the world should have, including Deshaun Watson, Courtney. It's fine. Um, but as, so Patrick Mahomes is my number one if we're ranking them because Patrick Mahomes is still unbelievable. He got dinged up a little. He has 19 touchdowns, two picks, leads the NFL in net yards per attempt. His QBR is way up there. He's putting up the same numbers in terms of efficiency as he did last year. Still over 300 yards uh, per game. Still over 110 quarterback rating. He's still doing historically great things. His defense is not that good, so they lost the game against Tennessee. But again, not his fault. Uh, He has been unbelievable, and he'll be my number one for sure. And then I would probably go Russell Wilson next, then Lamar Jackson, and then Deshaun Watson. The number five spot, there's about five to seven, ten candidates, including Tom Brady, which I think nobody mentioned. I thought it was kind of funny. Are you taking? No, you're not. I'll take the Super Bowl this year and then say, well, do whatever the hell you want with the next four. What if he retires after this year, though? That's like that. I thought well, the point was he's some, hold against the whole point. Yeah. I, the whole point was people you anticipate playing right. in five years. Okay, so I don't gonna, anticipate Tom Brady playing in seven. That's what I'm saying. Is I'll just take next year's Super Bowl, and I don't care who's the quarterback. He'll for just fill it in with journeyman yeah, quarterback. That's right. Oh. Asterisk. Oh. Brady, Asterisk. Brady is stupid. Weird. I don't like it. To not even mention Brady. I know, because we I don't know. anticipate playing five years, five years from now. You didn't he say might. the pick your quarterback going forward. You weren't like, pick the most. Because I'd have been like, dude, Drew Brees is right, definitely right, coming right. back. You So I'm assuming you mean like. Brady has the, never said he's going to retire after this year. So, yeah. okay. I'm, all right. I won't, I won't include that. So who's um, five then? Okay. Sam Darnold for well, you? well, let me go through a few. Well, Sam Darnold is a, <laughs> really, a, bad one. a really interesting candidate. Playing with non-mono. He has shown some really excellent signs, and he's a guy that has a bad coach and a bad franchise and not a whole lot around him, but has shown some some pretty excellent flashes. Kyler Murray, I think, Courtney, was a great pick. Terrible team. Terrible team. Really, truly awful team. And Which you seem to think is going to get marginally better No, I think they're going to get significantly better. I think they'll be a very good team next year because uh, so, they're going to spend though. a bunch of money. Well, yeah. well, how, a bunch how are of you going to jump to the Niners and the Seahawks and the Rams? Yeah, that's going to be tough. I do yeah. think the Rams are going to be a bad team next year. Um, but... That that will be really tough. I, I just think they're going to go in and spend a lot of money. You'll get a little bit of regression from the San Francisco 49ers. You'll get the same Seattle Seahawks, and they'll be in the mix next year as opposed to being a really bad team. They're going to get another high draft pick. Um, but what I've seen from Murray, I like a lot. I mean, he's yep. got a great arm. I think he fits with exactly what Kingsbury wants to do, and he can run around and move. He's a he's a really nice pick there. Kirk Cousins, there's a very good case for him. Dak Prescott, there's a very good case for him. And I haven't made my pick yet, but I also think there's another guy that we have to at least bring up here. Wentz? I know it's been, well, maybe, but I know it's been a rocky road. But, ba- but Baker Mayfield was the oh. number one overall pick. 
And if we're deciding right now that Baker Mayfield is a bust without the season even being over with their schedule, they could go on a run and be nine and seven this year. Think about how bad Cleveland has been, how bad their coach is right now, the infrastructure for Baker Mayfield. If he finishes the season strong, I think you would still say he's on track to be a very good quarterback. He's just a second half quarterback, right? Just no. like he was last season? I don't believe that. I think that's nonsense. I think this coach has taken way too much punishment for this player. I think at times this season, this dude has thrown himself under the bus. Remember that fourth and nine where they yep. ran the draw and everybody was coming down on Freddie and he was like, all right, that's fine. Keep giving it to me. I'm not an idiot, but I've been in a lot of these rooms where the coach has been like, listen, I ate that for you. So we're done with this mm. Nicky nonsense. <laughs> all right? But, dude. The, the what? At some point. <laughs> When you throw 13 interceptions, you have to take responsibility for that. Yes. yes. And if you're putting him in the top 15 right now, dude. This top, is next five years, though. It's a number one I, overall I know, pick. But, dude. We're giving like, him a chance to mature. It's okay. a very high ceiling there for Baker Mayfield. Okay. I would probably pick, I'd probably pick Dak Prescott here. I love the development, and I love the fact that the guy wins. His coach is clearly a buffoon. His <laughs> owner loves to go out in front of everyone and say so. he's a buffoon, which, <laughs> yikes. Um, I, I think that if you were arguing early on, oh, Dak Prescott, he's just circumstance. He just got a good running back. He's just got a good offensive line. Well, that offensive line's been beat up. A couple of years ago, he goes 9-7, and seven, and they played terribly. The defense hasn't always been reliable, and he just overcomes it and has them still in position. He wins a lot of games, uh, so I would probably pick him. But that fifth spot, there's a very, very interesting debate there, and I love where we're at. How do you guys feel about this? I love where the state of quarterback play is going to go over the next five years. Do you guys oh, yeah. agree with that? Absolutely, especially when you look at like the draft-eligible quarterbacks and what the future could bring, but also with like some of the young guys. Like I'm, I'm eager. Like when you brought up Sam Darnold, that's kind of when my light bulb went on. Like when do we see him finally come into his own? I mean, they're on a three game win streak. I like what I'm seeing right now. What does that look like potentially if he has a new head coach and a new play caller and the whole thing? Boy. And the Jets actually become a good team. Gase's like, job is going to be saved by Darnold being pretty decent, isn't yeah, it? Probably. And then it'll be next year they have to fire him. Man. No. I don't think so. Okay, who would be, aside um, from potentially going with someone like Mayfield, who would be the boldest pick here? Like, which quarterback looks like, "Eh, I don't know if it's going to play out, I'm not going to pick him, but then over the next five years, you could be stunned by Maybe Mason Rudolph. Maybe. That's probably the biggest maybe. Didn't you just get benched for some guy they called Duck? Yeah. I'm going to go no. (laughs) I'm going to go no on Mason Rudolph. I think he's a journeyman backup, though. Got great potential for showing up on our show with Sage Rosenfels in like eleven years. But I also think that they they still are of the belief that they can make a playoff push late yeah, down the season. So I get it. I think it. they can. Uh, Carson Wentz would be a hard one. I don't think that's bold though. Is, no. is it? I he think gets he's paid a, over hundred million dollars. That's a damn good quarterback. Right. Here's on a, a team one. that went heavy on offense and has no defense to bail him out. What about like a Josh Allen? Yeah, Josh Allen would That's be pretty a bold. bold one, right? I am or like not a Gardner Minshew, like a guy that like all of a sudden a team's yeah. like, hey, listen, there's a quarterback here waiting in the weeds. We need to yep. go get him. Let's trade for him, give him what we got, and see what he does, right? Like that's how these guys get their startup. His teams are like, hey, listen, there's a guy that's backing up this other team, and we need him really bad. Let's just trade for him. We don't need to give up that much. We'll get him over here and see what he can do. And then all of a sudden he hits it with another team. And when you look at these guys, once again, 
you got to just listen to the team around them. They're constantly praising these dudes. Like, bro, we love him. He's great to be around. He's fun in the huddle. DJ Shark got on the map because of Gardner Minshew. I mean, all of a sudden, this, this team's showing up, and they're doing it without their starter. Like, that has to go noticed by somebody. Like, man, these guys are really showing up. In a league where teams are setting themselves a head and shoulders above, these guys are keeping their teams competitive enough where they're still in the mix. I mean, look at Buffalo. Dude, they're going to go to the playoffs this year. Now, they might not do anything, but still, they're going to go. I mean, they're a good team. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They are a good team. I just think Josh Allen has Mitch Trubisky written all over him. Oh, for sure, but he could go the other way. A couple couple of good bold picks, though. Daniel Jones and also Gardner Minshew, you brought up, is a good one. But Daniel Jones would be another one if you think the Giants get it turned around. I'll give you the boldest of the bold for a guy. Top five, okay, probably never going to be there. But if you were projecting out, and saying, you know, this guy could actually turn things around and be a really good quarterback would be Ryan Tannehill. Like Miami is so bad. Their their franchise is just a complete disaster. And he was a five hundred quarterback there. Now he's got a pretty decent circumstance. He goes four and one and has made Tennessee really interesting. Hi, Brian Tannehill. How, how old is Buy he? Buy your Tannehill stock. That's he's a, actually pretty old. He's 31. That's he what I old. thought. I thought yeah. I remember he's been around a while. But he could be like, he could have like a Steve Beerline career or something. Or like a, like a like a Rich Gannon. Well, could you say the same thing about Nick Foles? He's 30. Um, and you saw what he did the last yeah. two seasons. And granted, they're in, bad, they're in bad, a bad circumstance now in Jacksonville. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about how the Vikings have handled Adam Thielen's absence because I've been impressed. And also, the class of 2020 for the Hall of Fame is out, and I need takes from you two. So we will do that when we return. you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour. You, hour you will use this download to remind or let you know of something we're doing here at Score North. ESPN's College Game Day is coming to Minneapolis this Saturday for what might be the biggest college football game in Minnesota history, a battle for the Axe. And a trip to the Big Ten Championship game is all on the line, so you can join Mackie and Judd with Rami for a game day sign-making party at Blarney Pub and Grill in Dinkytown this Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. Score North will supply the sign-making materials. You supply the funny. That's that's this Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. at Blarney in Dinkytown. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd, or Purple Daily. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, former Viking Alex Boone, along with Courtney Cronin. I'm going to give you a second here, Alex. This sure. is all for you because I mm-hmm. care about you. Mm-hmm. Your buddy, Frank Gore, who you mm-hmm. loved playing with, passed Barry Sanders whose jersey I had when I was nine, Mm. uh, on the all-time rushing list. And it was quite a moment for Frank Gore, and I think he'll ultimately make the Hall of Fame as one of the great running backs of all time. So what would you like to say about Frank Gore? Absolutely. Hall of Famer, no question. I mean, if people laugh at that, I'm laughing at them. So, I mean, just, dude, we want to talk about a guy that loved to just smack people in the mouth. He was hilarious to be on the field with. He was great in the rooms. I mean, just a dude that... Does it day in and day out. Give him a crease, and man, that dude was gone. It was so fun to play with him. Every right. year that he's gotten older, too. I know that people are wondering how much longer is he going to do this. He's Still 30, good. 36. Like, it's incredible. What he's done the last few years, too, I think should, should, I mean, should be in the conversation. I mean, the multiple, beyond the stretch of 1,000-yard receiving or rushing seasons that he had from 2006 to 
16. I mean, what he did in Indianapolis in 2017 with a decimated offensive line. They were bad. Like, yeah. Real bad. Yeah. Real and bad. even last year, too, in Miami, which was a joke. Real like, bad. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, and Andy gave Dalvin Cook a shout out. Did everybody else see that? Oh, no, I didn't. Gave no. Dal- they worked out together, I think, right? In... Why? Because they're Miami guys? No, I think that He's... Delvin said that they worked out together. Oh, now it's coming yes, back to me. Yeah, he's from, yeah, he's from Coral Gables. Um, they he did it this off season at hmm. some point. I think it's just the longevity aspect that really probably piques his interest because the guy's more than a decade older than him, and he's still performing at the level that he's doing. It's awesome. So, uh, speaking of the Hall of Fame, we'll get into Adam Thielen potential return, maybe not uh, in a minute. But since we're on the subject, they announced the twenty-five modern era semifinalists for the class of two thousand twenty. And I'm just going to throw some names out there. And if you guys disagree with me on any of these picks that I would easily have in the Hall of Fame, then just tell me. I think Sam Mills needs to be in the Hall of Fame like yesterday. And and Sam Mills not being in the Hall of Fame already, I don't know how long he's been eligible, but whenever that moment was is when he should have been in the Hall of Fame. He is the best pound-for-pound linebacker maybe ever in the NFL, considering his size and what he accomplished they do the keep pounding thing in Carolina just for him. He was part of the Dome Patrol. That guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Clay Matthews Sr., I think, for also sure. does. Yep. I mean, he was one of the most dominant players for those Cleveland defenses and doesn't really get the love he deserves. Both Alan Fanica and Steve Hutchinson, I'm not just playing to the co-host of the show. I mean, those guys should be easy. Tony Baselli should be easy. Yep. There, There is a really stacked group of players who wouldn't even be hard choices in my mind. Troy Polamalu is on that list as well. I think of just, okay, don't even ask me. It's easy. Troy Polamalu is in. And then and then it gets a little more dicey after that. Fred Taylor, Darren Woodson, um, Rondé Barber, Carl Banks I think should probably be in. Ricky Waters, a very good running back for a long time. Should they expand this for the number of players going in because... Uh, I uh, there was the talk of putting in twenty guys, and I think right. they might do that. Um, but I'm looking at this list and saying almost every single guy on this list could be in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I mean, I think that there's some guys that just like the Clay Matthews. Like, dude, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? I'm already? shocked he's not already. Like, you and then did you see that you sent me that Twitter? Like, I obviously don't have Twitter, so you sent it to me. And I'm looking at it, and I'm laughing because when it took me to the website, the first comment was like, "How are they going to put this kid in while he's still playing?" I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> They clearly don't know their history. Like, what is going on with people these days? And then, then there's like a hundred comments down. Like, yeah, he can't go in. He's still playing. That's not fair. I was like, dude, are these people for real right now? Oh my god, this they didn't definitely... have football cards growing up of Clay dude. Matthews covered in mud. <laughs> Bro, this is why I don't have Twitter, because you're fighting with people that don't even know what they're talking about. You're like, oh, my God, what a joke. But, yeah, I mean, you're looking at this. Listen, I agree with you, like Tony Baselli. Uh I, I mean, I want to know how Tiki Barber feels. I mean, dude, your brother got put in, but you didn't. That's that's tough. Troy Palomalu, obviously, I agree with that. What do you think about Richard Seymour? That was my question. Richard Seymour, underrated player in his time. I mean, I think he probably deserves it, but edge rushers are hard. I know. There's a lot of guys with a lot of sacks, but when you look, I mean, Simeon Rice is in the same sort of ballpark. Right. If you played Madden and you knew that he was always like a 95 rated, I was introducing my wife to Aeneas Williams' uh, Football Life documentary the other night because it's amazing. And 
The reason I knew Aeneas Williams was so great was purely because of Madden. Like that, that he was a 99 rated all the time. So it's like, okay, I'm going to have to pay attention to this guy. But those, those two are hard. And, and as we go forward, uh, there's a lot of talk about receivers. You got Reggie Wayne, ton of them on Bruce, here. and it's only going to get worse with the number of receivers in the backlog. I think also, guys, we're going to have the same problem with defensive ends, with tons of guys with yeah. lots of sacks. The one that kind of stands out to me, I think, is a no-brainer. But I wonder if some people are going to look at just the the length of time played. It's Patrick Willis. Mm-hmm. Like, is that one that people are going to say, well, he retired too early? I mean, we saw such a great body of work there. But, right. you know, I, he could have gone another how many years do you think? Oh, ten. Long? Easily. Easily. Saved I, his brain. I mean, like, that's that's... That's huge, but you know what he did in those late two thousand seasons after he was drafted in 07, like that to me solidified it. Those first five years that he played. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and having played against him and playing it against mm-hmm. him in practice every day was just incredible. I mean, you want to talk about one of the smartest guys, quickest, not afraid to be physical, great hands, great feet, could dip, could rush the passer at times. I mean, just. He knew how to play football, and and you're right. I look, I saw, it and I go, man, I, I bet you he's going to get screwed because of his length of time in the league. But mm-hmm. when you look at it, I don't. I mean, it is what it is. He left early, and you know, I know why he left. I'm not sure if he's ever really shared it, but uh, you know, when you look at what he did for that team and how much he meant, dude. The minute we found out he was gone, the team was decimated. Like we were like, wait, what? Dude, we just saw you a week ago. No, no, don't go. Because remember, he left, and then Borland left, and then all of a sudden, like, the whole team just left. And it was like, wow, everybody really wanted out once Pat left. But great player. Another one is Bryant Young. I mean, talk about a guy that was a great guy. He was a great beast back in the day. Monster. Yep. I remember watching it the night, that Monday night football game, when he got hurt. And I will never forget watching that, because that, to me, sent shockwaves through the league. Like, wow. Broken leg, was it? Yeah. The yeah. guy, uh, what, he landed on the side of it? it just, yeah, that just was Just the way yep. it happened. And then having gotten to meet him and see what a great guy he truly is. I mean, dude, talk about a guy that deserves to be in there. Alright, let's try to predict this list. Um, my locks for this one, because I think that uh, Clay Matthews keeps getting screwed, unfortunately. John Lynch is going to be a lock for this, I think. Um, I would also say that Isaac Bruce will get in, because I think they're going to slowly put in these receivers. And um, Steve Atwater is another lock for me. If they don't put in the two pounding safeties and then at least one receiver, I think they're making a mistake. What about? Do you not have Palomalu on there just because of how recent? Yeah, no, yeah, he should be a lock too. Is he part of the? For what is it? Three guys on their first ballot. Right yeah, now? He, you're right. He should be a lock. Too. I don't know. To me, that I, was the name that when I saw this list initially, that was my. Okay, who's your other locks then? If you're taking Palomalu, um, I could see where you're going with yours. I think Clay Matthews, the senior. They should have put senior. Just you to think not, they finally figure it out? Yeah, yeah, to <laughs> not confuse everyone on the internet. I think Darren Woodson's a lock. Really? I do. Uh. I mean, to me, if you're going to put John Lynch in there. And kind of given everything that Darren Woodson might be the best safety of all time, like I think that he has to go in this ballot. I would be surprised if he got in first ballot. I think he ultimately gets in. He ultimately gets in. This sure, one's a hard one with four yeah. great safeties. Yeah. What about you, Alex? I think, I mean, dude, like you said, they're all great safeties. It's just, I mean, when you're looking it's at the it, Hall of Fame semifinals, right. like no I mean, one's trash, like, <laughs> dude. What is going on? It's so hard to pick. Like you're like, man, if I wanted a team to start back in these guys' prime, who am I taking? Because I mean, you could all these guys would have just 
dude, they didn't tackle you. They tackled through you, and they enjoyed it. So I think that for me, it's Troy and John Lynch for sure. Mm-hmm. I think those two get it. I think those are the two that. While you're looking at it, you're like, man, those guys' names are really jumping out of me. I remember watching Troy Palomalu jump over offensive linemen yeah. to tackle the quarterback. I remember John Lynch running downhill to just smack the living crap out of people, then laugh when he got up. Like, he was like, God, did you see that? That was incredible. <laughs> so, I mean, those are the two to me that really step up. But yeah, I think Clay Matthews for sure. Sam Mills, dude. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Sam on that. Mills, keep pounding, man. Dude, I'm with, and, and I mean, Reggie Wayne. I mean, dude, there's so many. So many good players in this list. It's it, like if people haven't seen the Football Life documentary on Sam Mills, like go watch it. It's unreal. It's super, super good. Um, so let me switch topics on you, Courtney. You were out at practice because you decided to be in the cold. I did not. I stayed inside. <laughs> I was like, no, nope, no, nah. it was nope. freezing out there. Nope, nope. I don't know what I'm underdressed for. for this, and it's cold out there. Well, they're probably um, going to have to be inside tomorrow because of the snowstorm that's coming. But it's oh, not yeah. going to be. 20 degrees in Seattle this Monday. Probably not. Uh, so Thielen, yes. practicing, what do we give his odds for being there against Seattle? I'm not entirely sure yet. A, a injury report has not come out. And granted, today was more of, I think they're going to call it more of a light walkthrough mm-hmm. than a full practice. But They just wanted to be cold and outside? I mean, they wanted to probably get off the turf because yeah. they know they're not. They know they're going to have to be on it Wednesday. I believe they'll practice Heat, just something with the team, not that we're allowed to be there on Thursday. Um, anyways, I mean, I just, I'm still a little on the fence as if he's going to be ready or not. Really? Just some of the things I've been hearing. So I, you know, I know that it's trending that direction. Hmm. And certainly today, it gives you a good sign that he could be close to returning because they've released Josh Doxson, knowing that they're not going to have Chad Beebe come back this season. So the receiver depth they're down to is Thielen, Diggs, or without Thielen, it's Diggs. Uh, Treadwell and BC Johnson. So I think that they're in a good spot there. I just, you know, I just worry like, is everything kosher? You just don't want another setback. You right. don't like these things are tricky. It took Dalvin from week three to week eight last year. It's five weeks, and Adam has missed the better part of the last five games. But maybe he pushed a little bit too much in Kansas City, and we don't know how big that setback was. So we'll see. I mean, I'm just. Not ready to go all in yet, thinking that he's going to automatically start in in uh, Seattle. Question for you, Alex. Yes. When we're talking about integrating a great player back into an offense that's been rolling, I had this stat on uh, our website, free website, scorenorth.com, that you can go read how the Vikings made up for his absence, that Kirk Cousins has had a 120 quarterback rating since Adam Thielen went down, which does include week seven, the the one throw to Thielen. And it's not that Kirk was playing poorly before that, but he has really put up excellent numbers. And one of the reasons is they're spreading the ball around a lot. uh, 68% of the throws were either going to Diggs, Thielen, or Cook uh, in those first six weeks. And that dropped to 52% as they got the ball to, uh, and I included B.C. Johnson, the 52%, like to the two starting receivers and running back. So now they're working it to Irv Smith. Now they're working it to... Uh, Kyle Rudolph more and getting more people involved, even Laquan Treadwell from time to time. Right. How hard is it when you have a star player who goes out and everyone has to scramble and freak out to fix patch the hole, and then you got to just put that player back in? Is that tough or is that not anything? No, and I say that because of this. I think it was a lot of the guys that were in the depth role that stepped up and really just filled those roles really well. And I think that, you know, obviously Kirk 
knows that losing Thielen is huge. And obviously a defense is going to prey on that. Like, hey, listen, we don't really have a huge threat on this pass game. We can focus on digs and we'll let everybody else try and beat us. Well, that's exactly what they did. You know, Rudy in the back of the end zone. Irv Smith showed up with big catches. Uh, like you said, Treadwell and B.C. Johnson. I mean, these guys have showed up and it's like, Kirk's not forcing the ball to Diggs. Hey, listen, I think that's what everyone's biggest fear was. Is What's going to happen? Is he going to force it to Diggs too much? Listen, for the better part of the first half against the Broncos, I don't even think he looked at Diggs. He was just like, hey, listen, you go scare them, and I'm going to use everybody else, and we'll, we're going to get this thing going. And then all of a sudden in the second half, they just blow out the doors, right? Because everybody's showing up now. And I think it's a huge credit to these guys that are, you know, Rudy's been very patient, and all of a sudden it's showing up for him. People are kind of forgetting about him, and now he's coming back. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, well, now we got to take care of Rudy. Well, then Irv Smith shows up, and it's like, these guys are playing such an intricate part of roles, and they're doing such a great job of it. Well, this is what we expected, right? When they brought all these pieces back, um, when you sign Adam Thielen to the lengthy extension, when you sign, re-sign Kyle Rudolph, and then you draft a tight end. I mean, there were all these pieces that were supposed to make Kirk Cousins better. Like, if the theory is you, you bolster his supporting cast, you give him more than a wealth of options, that... It's that old adage that there's only one ball to go around, and he's in a great position. I don't think anybody else, any other quarterback in the NFL, will argue that he has one of the best supporting casts in the league. No question. What's impressive yeah. to me is what you look at Stephon Diggs' numbers. He's 880 uh, receiving yards through the first 11 weeks of the season, and that has been in the absence of Adam Thielen. That's also been on a team that for most of the year so far has had a run-first mentality. I wonder how that, if Thielen can't go in Seattle, and we saw that that was kind of, because Seattle watched the New England tape last year and watched how to be able to take Diggs and Thielen both out of the game and then did the exact same strategy one calendar week later. Um, what happens if Diggs is completely like eliminated out of this game? Can Kyle Rudolph, can Irv Smith, can BC Johnson carry the, I mean, obviously you're looking at Dalvin Cook yeah. too, but... Where do you where do you deviate to if that is the case? That's the one thing I'd worry about with this team. And, well, and there isn't another guy to clearly jump into yeah. that spotlight role. Um, but what I've found to be interesting, Alex, is that even though at times they haven't run, like you wanted to find out, hey, what happens when they don't run, they were still able to beat Denver. And the other part of it is the pass protection has improved a lot. So even if mm-hmm. someone doesn't shine in the absence of digs, if he's slowed down or double teamed, that you could have a lot of like small good performances, five catches for 55 yards or something from four different people. Right. And I ultimately think that because Stefanski was put into a position where you better figure it out on the offensive line or this is not going to go well. Like You better correct some protection issues, figure out better ways to put guys in the positions to succeed, and then having everyone else step up and go into the final stretch with confidence that they're good players. Like Rookies need that, right? I think that they're is the potential, Alex, that they could actually be better for having lost Thielen and been forced to give the ball to good players and have them uh, succeed and, and know how to use them. I think I know what you're saying. You're saying to force this team to kind of grow up faster than they had to. Like, yeah. Kind of force guys into a role like, hey, listen, we didn't expect Thielen to go down, but now that he is, you need to step up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like Irv Smith, for example, has 20 right. catches since Thielen went down. Even in that Detroit game, he makes five catches, and he had never done that before. And right. now you know Irv is a good football player, and he's going to know that going into the se- uh, the end of the season. And also the uh, the offensive staff knows that, yeah. too, of like we can design things for Irv Smith because he can handle that. And you only found that out in part because the element went down. 
Right. And a lot of this too has to do with the momentum. Dude, this team is all they're all taking a step together, right? Like as Kirk starts to move around the pocket more, as he starts to feel more comfortable in there, the ball gets passed around more. Guys are taking the upswing as a team. You know, all of a sudden the offense is kind of like, "Hey, listen, don't worry defense. We'll carry you a little bit." You know, it's a it's a team progression and the momentum's going up right now and you need it going up because going into Seattle is going to be a tough challenge for you cuz like you said, say Thielen doesn't go. That's a huge blow for a huge game, especially because the other team on the other side knows that they're fighting for a lot too you know these teams are so they're both two in the division and they're both really pissed about it and that and if you look at it seattle's beat san fran so they're kind of like hey listen we take care of the vikings people are gonna start giving us more recognition we're gonna start climbing the ladders again the vikings are saying the same thing hey listen if we're going on this journey we need to win this game on the road we're in the sixth seed and yeah there's not a lot of teams that can creep up behind us but we still don't want to lose the great momentum we have right now the one thing I think also here with Kevin Stefanski, like we talked with Gary Kubiak about this last week, that's a learning experience mm-hmm. to have to spend the better part of five weeks. How how do I get other guys involved? How yes. do I, if I don't have my best receiver, which yep. you could argue that's Thielen, you could argue that's Diggs, but you don't have one of your top receivers who has been the outlet for Kirk Cousins throughout so much of this season, then how do you figure it out? And when you go against good defenses in the playoffs, because they're all going to be good defenses there, this I think this is a great, like, I mean, nobody wants to lose Adam Thielen, but this is a great learning experience mm-hmm. that he was afforded just being thrown into the fire of how do you figure it out? How can you still win games if you're down a huge part of your offense? All right, last thing before we wrap up with Alex Boone, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, is um, <clears throat> Matt Patricia today said that uh, Jeff Driscoll's hamstring is pretty sore. Matt Stafford is out. That means on Thanksgiving, friends, we could be watching someone named David Blaw. I think is how you pronounce it. B-L-O-U-G-H. I think. Uh, Josh Johnson was not allowed to sign with the Lions because he has an XFL contract. Yeah, the XFL blocked him from doing it. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I just want you to give me sort of your favorite or funniest or whatever. First thing that comes to mind for Thanksgiving football. Like, first thing that comes to mind. Because I know that this game with the Lions will not ever be one of them and that I will forget it immediately and maybe not watch all of it. Well, that's my thing. Like, So give me something good, the, though. The, well, no. The first thing that comes to mind is I'm not watching Bears-Lions. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll, I'll I know. wait I mean, until later in the afternoon. I mean ever from your life-loving football. Court. Fine. Um, the I'm sorry, but the number one thing I always think of when it comes to the Thanksgiving Day game is Aretha Franklin's five-minute, sub-five-minute national anthem. I loved it. I loved watching Sam Bradford's face when he didn't realize he was on camera, and he looks up, and he's like, am I still being filmed right now in Zim's face? I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. Wow. That was was, uh, not a great experience. No, it certainly wasn't. Thank you for that. I mean, there's a lot of bad things happened in that game. Very bad things. Um you know, my my number one is obviously Richard Sherman. What was he? He flipped the table in uh, Levi's on Thanksgiving with the turkey. Like, he came out all crazy and, like, flipped the table. And it was like, everyone was like, oh, dude, Richard Sherman's, like, flipping the table and eating turkey on the field. You should go fight him. We were like, dude, no. What? Fight him? Like, dude, no. It's just, it was a rough game. Wait, thanks, Courtney. I was in such a good mood. I was going to talk yeah, about, like, the reverse What was jersey. wrong with the National Anthem? You I brought thought it was up fantastic. The it was a rough game. That was yeah, a really a... rough game. It's okay. You know, just had the ball with a chance to go win. and I don't want to talk about okay, it. Okay, all right. We'll just move on, on from that. Uh, I've got a couple. Number one for me is uh, Leon Lett in the snow against the Dolphins. 
the mm-hmm. blocked field goal, and then it's just, I remember whoever was announcing the game is like, as long as no one touches it, this game is over. And he comes sliding out of nowhere. Don't worry, guys. Like, like me and my brother in the backyard playing on sleds or something, flying through and then touches the ball, and then they have time to clear the little space for the kicker while they're waiting, and, and that was that was just a, a beautifully wild ending. Of course, everyone remembers Randy Moss mm-hmm. going nuts, and at that moment, I grabbed, what was it, Madden 99, and just like, all right, I have to find and play Madden Three with Randy Moss. Three touchdowns of 50 yards, right? Y- yes. Against Zim's yep. DBs? Yep, just, just bombs, letting loose. And... Um, just all the times the Lions got murdered. I mean, they just had it coming, right? I mean, they're the Lions, and they're always going to be why the Why do Lions. they have to play on Thanksgiving Day? Why is that tradition. a tradition? I know, but like, why are they the who, tradition? Who asked who starts the tradition? All I love is that they used to wear reverse jerseys, and now they don't. Oh, yeah. Barry Sanders. Me. Yeah, Barry Sanders yes. on Thanksgiving Day. A lot of great memories from him. Great but memories. No one else from the Lions. All right, uh, Alex, great stuff. We will get together next week with you. Enjoy your Thanksgiving with your family, sir. Can't wait. You two guys enjoy David playing football. All right. And uh, Courtney, uh, we'll do it again soon. And we'll catch you later. So coming up next, Mackie and Judd with Rami. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday. And as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.